This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo, John Crane here to cover everything Angels in our midweek podcast. John, what's up, buddy? Not much. I hope we can do every podcast after a 13 0 victory by the Halos. You were working during that game, weren't you? I was. These Detroit games, I'm not seeing much of. I'm just hearing post game if I'm lucky on the way home. Well,. And that was the one game you probably wanted to watch. So I got I got to check it out. It was pretty great, man. I love today. Yesterday, not so much. But today, I'm pretty thrilled with that. I pretty agree. Pit, and, and, and it got the pitching got overshadowed by the offense. For once, right? I, pardon? For once, Yeah, for right? once. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I wish we, it would be funner if we were celebrating a, a 1-0 victory and a, pitch, a shutout by our pitching squad. But uh, staff, and uh, unfortunately, the offense really uh, shined today and kind of put that, I think, as a backstory. Well, I don't know about that. Getting a shutout after three out of four games of giving up 10-plus runs, it's a pretty neat thing to have as well. So I'll, I'll take it. I will definitely take it. Yeah, you're a baseball guy. I'm a fan guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. All right, folks, we're just getting started here, but if you like what we're doing, please check us out on iTunes and subscribe. We also would enjoy a five-star review to help us move up the charts. If you want us to earn it, great. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and give us your feedback. We definitely would appreciate it. We would love to hear from you. Also, this is big, folks. This is really big. If you are a new listener and you are enjoying the show, please do us a favor. Please text a fellow Angels fan and let them know about our podcast. Nobody really knows there are a couple Angels podcasts out there. And I know that if we put together a good product for you, it's worth a listen. So, again, if you are a new listener and you are enjoying the show, please do us a favor. Text a fellow Angels fan. Let them know about our podcast. It will definitely mean the world to us. Okay, so, John, show you Tani. Cody Allen and Zach Cozart are activated for the Detroit series. All three. Okay? In the process, Peter Borjos and Chris Stratton are designated for assignment, and Luis Rodriguez is optioned to AAA. 
Well, my take what's is your take? what I tweeted the other di- the other day. It's, it's you look around, and all we got to do is get Upton back, and that's our lineup. That's the lineup I'm familiar with as a fan. Um, I, and and Otani got his first start, got an RBI today. Um, this is this is a staff that I have com- a, a team that I have confidence in. Once we get Upton back, I see just a couple holes. Those holes are big, though. You know that, right? Yes. I mean, details, details. That, that crater knows the pitching staff for the most part. You notice I didn't mention that. I said <laughs> <laughs> our, our field, <laughs> our position players. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of getting Otani back, I think that's huge. I mean, just, I mean, we, we were talking with the, um, with Scott Foster from the Berlin and BS podcast. He's, he's on the second part of our show today. And one thing he mentioned, just watching some film and checking on the angels, what Otani means just in terms of his attitude. He brings light to that team whenever he's on the field. And the only time he's not smiling basically is when he's at, at the play. And that kind of positive attitude means a lot for a roster, especially when you've had ups and downs. So it's really great to have him back. He got two hits today. I can't, you know, that's, that's that's a big deal for us, getting those two hits out of the way. And just the energy he brings to that lineup. Cody Allen didn't pitch yet. And Cozart, well, he was active as well. Uh, do you want to go ahead and say goodbyes to Peter Borjos and uh, Chris Stratton? <laughs> goodbye. Bye. I, I, on a side note, I do want to, I just want to mention real, real quick that I start. I followed Noe Ramirez yesterday on Twitter. So baby steps, baby steps. But going it. back, go, get, going back to Otani. Uh, yeah, it, the attitude he has is just. I mean, I guess next to Mike Trout, he just has such a. From the moment he comes out of the dugout, bows to the ump, takes his swings, and the enthusiasm he has when he comes back into the dugout, he's just a joy to watch for the fans and and his statistics are a joy to see. So. All those things going together today for a 13 nothing victory. But a different story yesterday and a little bit of a different story the day before. So let's go back up here a little bit. The Angels win 5-2 to open the series. Griffin Canning, another solid performance. In a good decision, bad decision segment here. Was the decision to pull Griffin Canning a good one, yes or no? As a fan, his perspective, no. I just, that's the same old, this is a kid. I, I heard his interview. I mean, I understand he's new and we got you got to watch his arm. And But this is it, who talked about training, about keeping himself strong at UCLA to pitch complete games because that's what he's there to do. And to put, pull him that early, I didn't, I don't like that. I, I like, you know, that's what we did all last year with Sosha. Fifth inning, boom, gone, bring in the bullpen to, uh, wreak havoc on the, on the game. See, I'm going to disagree based just on the fact that it's his second game in the majors, his first road start. You want to kind of ease him in a little bit and give him a chance to get used to all this. If it continues later on down the line, then I would have a problem with it. You, you want to give these guys an opportunity to kind of grow into being a major leaguer, and you don't want to have too much pressure right away. And so I don't blame Alex for, for easing him in. Now, 20 starts from now, or even 10 for that matter, if he's not allowing him to work through some, some trouble, I would be really concerned. 
I really would be, especially given the weaknesses in the bullpen, especially at certain times of the game. Yeah, that's the rational. That's the rational view. <laughs> and you're not rational. <laughs> not when it comes to, to, yeah, to the Angels as far as entertaining, watching. When somebody's on fire or, you know, just doing so well, it's just, it's heartbreaking to watch them. You know, with uh, that was my struggle last year. I was stunned. I was so happy to see Otani win the Rookie of the Year award because I really thought Sosha took it from him with as little as he played him. Uh, after his arm went down and, and, you know, he didn't play him on Otani bobblehead night. So, you know, I, I know I'm not rational. I understand from the baseball professionals uh, uh, the decision that's made there. I understand that, but yeah, I still just like to, like to let him go. Well, you know, I get that. I just want to see him pitching long-term in Major League Baseball. I want to see his confidence built up. And quite frankly, I want to see him – I want to see how he responds in these situations down the line. And he's starting this weekend basically against the Orioles' ace, which we'll talk about during that preview. And I'm very interested in seeing what he does in a hitter's ballpark. And Camden Yard is a hitter's ballpark, especially on that porch out there in front of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. I really want to see how he does now, also, another good decision, bad decision segment here. Is Hansel Robles the answer at closer for you? Today? Sure. But I did start following uh, Noe, so I don't know. <laughs> here we go. So are you basing who you want to be closer by who you follow on Twitter? No, I just I you know I don't have any confidence. The bullpen just made me bury my head every every game last year. Um, I know I I mean I like Cody Allen that he's back. I got excited. You're the one who popped my bubble right off the bat about Cody Allen because because he came from Cleveland and you've seen him. So I still no I still I'll take uh, uh, Cody Allen and Hansel Robles in there either way. Um, I'm I'm good with either. Cambridgeian mm, not so much. Well, you have your own issues there. Okay, just a real quick thing here. Um, going back here to Tuesday's game, 5-2 victory by the Angels over Detroit. Canning gets his first win of his career. Uh, Norris over there in Detroit gets the loss. Robles gets his third save of the season. In the game, Simba goes 2-5 for five with two RBIs. David Fletcher goes 2-5 for five with, a, with an RBI. Something to watch out for, Mike Trout. 0 for 3, 2 walks. Does get a stolen base. Shoyotani, 0 for 4, gets an RBI. Does strike out twice in that game. Okay, in terms of pitching against the Tigers, Luke Bard, inning in two-thirds, two strikeouts. Ty Buttry gets a hold with one strikeout. And Robles, one innings pitched, one hit, one strikeout as well. That's 5-2. Now, where things get a little uglier is game two of the series. And it was to me, now, I, going back to Houston series, we saw a lot of ugly baseball. However, we saw some moments. On the Angels side. Yes. <laughs> but we saw some moments, at least in, in the batter's box, that were neat. Okay? It was a pitching that was horrible. In this game, to me, this was probably the worst performance of the year for the Angels because the Tigers don't have much of an offense. And you had 10 runs to that offense was absolutely horrid. Absolutely horrid. And what makes it worse, looking at the, the whole 
box score here. Mike Trout, 0 for 4, 3 Ks. Otani, 0 for 3, 2 Ks. Simba, 2 for 4. He's like the one guy who shows up, him and Luke Roy. Okay? He gets a home run. Dave Fletcher gets a home run, 2 for 5. But the guys you're relying on in the middle of the lineup, Trout, 0 for 4. Otani, 0 for 3. Pujols, 0 for 4. Brian Goodwin, 0 for 4. Calhoun, 0 for 4. Oh, sorry, 0 for 3. That is bad hitting. And that's not what you want from your lineup. And then going down for the pitching, Tyler Skaggs, four and two-thirds innings, eight runs, seven of them earned. Noe Ramirez, he does fine. Two Ks, a walk, an inning and uh, a third. Luis Garcia, inning. But Cody Allen, one inning there, right? One inning mm-hmm. pitch, two hits, a strikeout, two earned runs. So now his ERA is a 7-2. He, and one of, the, one of the, um, the hits was a home run for him. That's just... I'm sorry. Ugh. Let me say it again. Ugh. Horrible to watch. I, I think if, if your team if your team scores three runs, you should have a legitimate shot of winning a game. A shot, yes. But you know, you, normally you want, you know, that's a three-run offense is normally considered anemic. The big mm-hmm. problem there that was really ugly about this game was the fact that it was the middle guys, the middle lineup guys. By the way, Mike Trout's average is down to 280. I've never seen Mike Trout's average this low in May, except for, of course, his rookie year when he started slow. I mean, hard to watch. Well, it was 280 after this game. We'll we'll check out here in a minute. Pujols after this game, 207. Ugly stuff, man. Calhoun after this game, 214. So then comes today and brother it was night and day would you i mean hey were you able to listen to it at work at least no 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 oh, so you're, you're you're coming this thing dry because you just got home from work so check yeah this no out. I, I was following on my I, I i i was watching it on the uh on uh you know i was looking following it on the just not actually seeing it just following the box score okay i am coming so, to a dry i didn't see any of it no so here we go luke bard is the opener today Two hits, no earned runs, gets out of a jam. Nice, nice, okay? But Felix Pena. Yeah. Seven innings pitch, three hits, seven strikeouts, was dominant. And your boy Cam, I know how much you love him, comes out to finish. Uh, one inning, one strikeout. But the here's the polar difference, folks. The polar difference. David Fletcher, two for five. He's been steady. Mike Trout, one for two with an RBI and a walk. Now his average is 284. Shohei Otani, 2 for 4, RBI with a walk and a strikeout. Simba, 1 for 5. Yep, sure. Albert Pujols, 1 for 4, the home run. He breaks himself into 2,000 RBIs for his career. We'll talk about that. Justin Bohr, pitch. New bobblehead coming. New bobblehead. Yeah, new bobblehead. <laughs> Justin Bohr, 1 for 1, RBI home run. Pitching home run for Pujols. Cole Calhoun, 2 for 4, home run and a walk. Scores 3 runs today. Kevin Smith, catcher, two for four, two runs scored. Zach Cozart gets his batting average to 132, man. That's right, with a one for four day, two RBIs. And Tommy LaStella, two for four, two home runs, four RBIs. His batting average is now 256. So this was a complete day for the offense. A complete, Even Justin Bohr. Gets a hit. It happens to be a, a launched home run. So, 
Total reversal from yesterday. One of their best games all around this year. Great way to finish the series. 13-0. However, I have a story to tell you. Ready? I'm ready. All right. So this made the news during the broadcast, all over social media afterwards. Albert Pujols. I know what you're going to say. You know where I'm going, right? Yeah, I know where you're going. Albert Pujols hits that home run. The negotiations take place afterwards for the ball. And guess what? The fan does not give it up. Now, I'm not going to shame the fan. He has his reasons. I don't know what they would be. Um, he saw somebody on, men, on social media mention, well, he, that's his brother. He wasn't offered a good enough deal and wanted to get that ball to his kid. So let me ask this to you. Let me ask you this. John, if you were to catch a milestone ball, what would you demand in exchange for it? I actually had this conversation at work a couple of years when, when Albert hit his uh, 600 home run and we talked and, and I say in my heart of hearts, what, what would I, uh, when I told my wife this a uh, little bit ago, she, she, she went, ouch. And I, I thought she actually hurt herself, but she, when I told her what the guy did, she just so vehemently disagreed with it. So I told her what I would want. Um, and I would, I would hope I would stick to this. I mean, God help me if somebody walks up to me and says, I'll give you $50,000 for that ball before I even talk to anybody. But, um, what I, what I would want if the angels, I would want to, I would want a picture of me with with Mike Trout, with Shohei Otani and with, um, Albert Pujols. I'd like them all three to sign balls and perhaps, and jerseys from all of them. And I think I'd be good. If they want to throw in some tickets, too, that's great. But I would be very happy with that because that's all I try to achieve when I go to games now. I watch a game. I try to get pictures with people, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. You're kind of a photo addict. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's better than, a, you know, a baseball sign. Baseball just sits there. You know, it doesn't really prove you know, I, I, I like a picture of, with Mike Sosha better than I like my Mike Sosha signed ball. Or my wife's sign signed social ball. Well, it's interesting you say that because for me, I think it depends on what the actual achievement is. Like the 2,000 RBI versus the 600 home run, to me it's a little different. For the RBI, I think I would want – well, let me put myself in that position of the guy out there in Detroit today. During the broadcast, they mentioned that he was offered – Autograph memorabilia from Trout, Pujols, and Miguel Cabrera. Those are three future Hall of Famers. Okay. And I I don't think I could turn that down, especially since once you leave the ballpark, you really can't authenticate that ball. They're going to say, well, there's a photo of you holding it. Well, there's no actual evidence that the ball you have in your hand is the same ball that you had in your hand when you took the picture. My wife so, asked me. My wife asked me this question, and I'd like to remind you: Do they not mark the ball? I do believe they used marked balls at when it gets to that point. I, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but let me ask you this question though: If you're trying to make a deal for a baseball, and Major League Baseball is trying to make that deal, do you think Major League Baseball is going to go out of their way to authenticate a ball for somebody who won't make the deal? Again, that's not even going to be my problem because I am going to give the ball up. I, and that guy's, yeah. you know, 
It's a, the guy. The guy was in Detroit, and that's interesting. You said Miguel Cabrera. I don't care about a Miguel Cabrera thing. I want to switch him out for Otani. But the guy was in Detroit. Do you think that played anything to it? Do you think if the guy had been an Angel fan, he might have been more well, willing to to give the ball because I'm Albert sure. could get his six hundred ball back. Albert's uh, when he got his he got his and a fan came and gave it to him that that night that day. I'm sure that's what would have happened. I'm sure that an Angel fan would have. But if you're a Tigers fan, and I want to be fair to the Tigers fan because we don't know the situation. Again, I saw something on, from a person who claimed to be his brother, and he basically just said the deal offered wasn't good enough. He was, I think, offered it. He says he was autographed, offered an autograph bat. Now, I can't even confirm that's the guy. So who knows? I would say this. If you were a Detroit fan... You don't really have a stake in giving this guy his ball back unless there's something important you're getting back. Maybe it's someone who's stubborn. Maybe it wasn't a good enough deal. But here's my thing again. An unsigned, unauthenticated baseball, you can't really prove anything. What's the point? Yeah, the and point? I don't want to I don't want to go through those hassles. And it's it's interesting that they offered him that and they didn't offer him more tigers. Um, though Mike Trout, I mean, yeah, no, they actually offered him really good stuff, man. Mike Trout and Alfred Pujols, yeah, no, they and did. The I, I would have sucked that up in a heartbeat. I would have said they, they told me that in a heartbeat. And give me pictures. I want pictures with all of them. Um, you know, you, so yeah. if it you know, was, I got me. a picture with. I don't even saw my picture. I have a picture with Bobby Gritch. Do you know who that is? Corey, <laughs> come on, stop that. Stop it. <laughs> You can Photoshop your head on me if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) I I look at it this way. If it was me, I'm taking – I don't really – you know, honestly, it's weird. I'm not really big in the bats. I want the jersey because I want to frame a jersey. So if I had an opportunity to get a signed jersey from each one of those Hall of Famers, that really begins my man cave right there. Honestly. I'm I'm with you. I don't want a bat either. I I want jerseys and I want balls. And and a picture. I want a picture. That's my deal breaker. Don't give me the picture, and I'm walking out. I'm leaving. I'm so, I'm gonna go. I'm going to eBay. I'm logging in when I when I get in my car. <laughs> but but that's the thing, John. Is you really you go to eBay, but fine. But who's gonna? Your ball's not authenticated. I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. I, that's why I I just can't. When my wife asked me that, I, I I said I I'm pretty sure they. I know they did. Like in this, I know they mark them in some way or some sh- um, some shape or form. They know what that ball is. But I you know I don't have that verified. Well, so I don't. Even that. if the ball is marked, you can't prove that that said marked ball is the one that was hit out. Well, this guy just appeared to be a jerk. I, I haven't seen the video. I saw comments on it saying that the guy thought it was a foul ball. Yeah, I saw it was all over social media, but I haven't even had a chance to look at the video on him I'm or not anything going that like- far, man. I'm not. I, I don't want to judge the guy. Whatever his reasons were, maybe he was being a jerk. Maybe he was a guy who fired the ball, and maybe he just felt like he was being disrespected in terms of the deal he was offered. But if <laughs> if you were offered a, a deal where three Hall of Famers want to give you stuff. I tell you, but I'll tell you what, if, if that was a home game, if I'm out in there where you are in SoCal and that happens, my demands are probably a little different. I'm going to ask so- for oh, a jersey from each, and I want one game with tickets right there behind the home plate and a 10-minute visit to the, the clubhouse. That's what I'd ask yeah. for. 
See, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Memories. Memories. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're also coming across as a good guy. You're making friends. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I, that's what I said when on the 600 home run ball. And that guy was a straight-up guy. And, and I know I just jumped to conclusions. I haven't even seen the videos, and I called the guy a jerk. So that's, that's, that's me. That's we don't me. know. But <laughs> just for fun and giggles, okay? Just yeah. for fun and giggles, I asked Twitter this as well. So here are some of the responses. Angel fan, exclamation point. This is at SportsGuy06. He said, ball, bat, and a jersey signed. Okay. Um, Top Jabroni, at Top Jabroni, says, hard to say. If it was the all-time home run record, I'd hold out for top dollars, not a trade. How much would a 2,000 RBI be worth if sold? Can't can't be that much, right? Okay. All right. So Third, third person in history to do it? I think it does have some value to it. I, but home runs just are different, you know? They're just different. Um, Ross at A-K-E-E-Y-Y says, I trade for the amount of money it's worth. Well, who knows what the money is worth? You mean you don't use it at the market? Honest question. That's not criticism. I don't know what it's worth. Um, Cassandra L at Clue H-S-E-N Hop. She says, well, being a fan of baseball, I feel that I would just like the honor and the privilege of handing the baseball to the player in person, but that's just me. Heart. Uh, Juan Carlos at Vasquez underscore J. Carlos says, Day as an angel. Okay. Halo Station at Halo Station says, An autographed bat from Pujols. Fair enough. Hashtag the Halo way. Uh, Chris Hubler. He gives two. I kind of like what he says. 2,000 RBI via home run equals 12 of Molson Canadian. <laughs> Hubler also says, 500th career home run ball, 12 of Leblatt's, uh, Leblatt's, Leblatt's blue. Okay? Um, and then Top Jarrett comes back and says, hmm, never been a fan of Leblatt's, uh, Leblatt's blue, but give me a 2-4 of Molson Golden, and you can have pretty much you want there, eh? eh? So there you go. They get into, it becomes a debate over beer. That's where they went with that. Beer. <laughs> when it turned to politics, it, it'll eventually turn into politics. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But I think, I think what I would want is the, uh, a jersey sign from Pujols, a jersey sign from Trout, and you know a nice, really nice uh, – Behind home plate for a game and a ten minute visit to the clubhouse just to see it. You wouldn't even have to. I you wouldn't have to let me talk to players. I just want to see the clubhouse firsthand. That's all I want. I've seen the clubhouse twice. Well, I'm sure you have. I'm, I'm sure I've you been on... saw it back in 1960. <laughs> nope, fifth grade field trip. You go into the clubhouse. Got a picture of my kids, both my kids in the clubhouse. So, I mean, I just. Um, I guess it's just what I want. All right. Well, so bottom line, just to wrap it up real quick. Bottom line is, is we really, 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 really don't know what we would do unless we were in that situation. Sure. I think. I mean, uh, I'd I think- like to think that I would take exactly what I took and I, and I would feel proud about it. I think my wife would like me to do that, too. Well, honestly, you could say that, but really, seriously, I know what I want. I know what I want. I just told you what I want. 
Oh, me too. I agree. I'm saying what I would want too. I'm just saying for the people, some people there, they comment, but some might change. No, I would want, are you kidding me? I I want my pictures first, my balls second. And what was the, oh, jerseys. No, my jersey second and balls third, but I want all of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. So before we get to our orals preview, Reach out to us. If you, are, if you want to sponsor the show, reach out to us at TalkinHalos at gmail.com. That's Talkin, no G, Halos at gmail.com. And, hey, help us keep the lights on. In case you couldn't tell, John sounds a little bit different today. That's because he's no longer living in a shed. He's been upgraded to a bedroom. There we go. A bedroom within the within the premises of his house. So that's a start. If you want also get some more information uh, you can leave a voicemail for us at 657-666-5453, and we'll be happy to talk to you. Okay, so moving on. I was able to reach out to Scott Foster from the Berlin and BS podcast, and he came on a little bit earlier today, and we talked this upcoming weekend series with the Orioles. Check it out. Again, it's Scott Foster from the Berlin and BS podcast. It is well worth the listen. Trust me. It's a fun, it's a fun interview. All right, folks, I am here with Scott Foster from Birdland BS, the podcast in the Baltimore area that covers the Ravens, the Orioles, just, they're a lot of fun to listen to, I, I, I checked them out today as well, and uh, hey man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man, it's, uh, the, the Orioles were off today, so there was nobody to, get, to whoop, whoop up on us and beat us, so that's kind of a nice thing, uh, but otherwise, I'm coming off the Boston series, I was, uh, I was actually happy with some of the things I saw out of the team, so I'm excited, you know, moving forward. Now, I have a lot of questions about that overall. I used to live out in the area. I was stationed out there in the military. I got to see a lot of Orioles games and got you know to get filled in a little bit on the history of the team and some of the problems they've had. But just focusing on the here and now, the Orioles entered this series among the worst teams in the league. They were 13-24. What have been the main problems with the Orioles this season that have buried them in last place? So, I mean, the, the biggest thing here is you've got – a lot of young guys and a lot of young talent on the field. It's just got some inexperience to them. Um, you know, guys like Richie Martin, who you bring up at shortstop, he's got the most errors on the team this year. Uh, and it's just the young guys with the nerves, and they really don't have true mentors. I mean, the guys that you would hope would be their mentors, the guys that you're paying the most, is the guy that's hitting the worst in Chris Davis. You know, you're handcuffing at $21 million a year, and you're handcuffing the team into a 178 batting average uh, out of your your highest paid player, which is just not not something you want. Uh, the fact that Mark Trumbo's been out with injury for so long, the anticipation was that he was going to be back uh, mid-April. That got delayed. It continues to get delayed. Uh, I have not heard the latest updates on when he is finally expected to enter the lineup uh, at this point. <laughs> I wonder if ever. Uh, but that that's kind of the biggest thing here overall is we've got two guys that we're kind of getting handcuffed. We're not getting any production out of. And it's two guys you're spending the most on. And then you have a bunch of young kids that really need mentorship. They're going to take time. Uh, and that, that's really what it is. It's the inexperience of this team. And it's to us here in Baltimore, a lot of Orioles fans, especially those that are, I'm going to call them true baseball fans, will understand what the, what the term rebuild really is. It's not a retool, you know, Prime example, Boston and New York in our division, 
they retool every few years. They don't need to completely rebuild the farm systems and everything because they've always had good farm systems that they've been able to bring some guys up, and they're always just a few pieces away. So that's why they can go spend the money to go get some of these pieces because they have homegrown talent. And that's the spot that the Orioles are in right now. They're trying to get a lot of these these younger guys, this young talent, in and you have people here in Baltimore. You have people that are calling for guys like Yusniel Diaz, uh, who is one of our top prospects, and people are wanting him out there. The problem is, if we put him out here, here and now, we lose a year of team control. And with a guy like this, this this he has the potential to be a generational talent. Uh, but when you put him out and you lose team control, you're not looking long term. And so I, I agree with that. We don't want to put these guys out there too early. They've actually sent a lot of guys that were on the major league roster last year that were starters have gone back down to AAA to get more experience. And those are the guys that are going to be here long term. Right now, the team, if I'm putting it simple, the team's got a bunch of 4A players. Simple as that. So, I mean, just going back through Orioles history, you know, this to the 60s, the 70s, the early 80s. This is the team that commonly competed not just for pennants in the American League, but also for World Series titles. And then it, it just seems that ever since Perry Angels bought the team, that this franchise has never been able to find its feet on more than just a one-off basis like 2014, and so on and so forth. Why have the Orioles been unable to be consistent over a long stretch of time? Uh, you, you hit on the nail on the head in the, the ownership, Peter Angelos. Uh, if you talk to a lot of fans here in Baltimore, that's one of the common things throughout the year. Since 1993, uh, when Angelos and the investors that he got together took over this team, Angelos made it known that he was going to be a hands-on owner. And, you know, he goes out and gets guys like Rafael Palmero, uh, Sid Fernandez, um, uh, Chris Sabo, you know, guys like that on a consistent basis that were, you know, big names at the at the time. And he's going out and getting those big signings, uh, exactly what people wanted. Lee Smith was actually another guy on that list uh, that he was involved in. So he says, I'm going to be hands on. I'm going to be doing this. Then there was a, a time where, if everybody remembers, back in 1999, the Orioles went through and they played against the Cuban national team in Cuba. And I'm sorry, it was held at Camden Yards. They brought them from Cuba. They then went out to Cuba a few years, a few years before that. But when you look at the, the history, he did not want to offend Cuba. So he would not sign defected, defected Cuban players. And there's been plenty out there. And because of those years, it's been, it's been a problem that the Orioles have not been in the international market. When Dan Duquette came on uh, in 2012, that was something that he kind of wanted to start focus on. And they gave him a little bit of a leash. And he started to grab some guys that started to have production uh, on a long-term basis. Uh, guys like Hunsu Kim uh, was a good move for them. He winds up, winds up not you know, staying with the team winds up going back to Korea. But when you look at that move and what he, what they let him do in that move, the problem was they allowed him to go get the player, but Angelos was hands-on and, and apparently vocal behind the scenes that he didn't want that guy playing. He did not want the international market playing on a regular day basis. That's not what he was paying for. He was paying for other guys that he's paying more money to be on the field. So that that's kind of what's been handcuffing this team for years and years and years is our, our play in the international market and the fact of ownership being a little too hands-on at times. Um, the Orioles have also been known to let guys go because of issues, whether they feel it's mentally or most of the time it's 
failing health physicals. I mean, the Orioles haven't been known to have one of the deepest health physicals in all of Major League Baseball. And if they see something historically that they don't like, they just back out. And it's happened many a times. Um, you know, the one that kind of stands out is uh, is they they decided they wanted to back out from Nick Markakis. Um, this is in recent memory. They backed out from Nick Markakis. What does he do? He goes down to Atlanta and he's a top producer. And that was that's saying a lot that they weren't willing to give him an extension. This has been one of the most consistent hitters in baseball when he was with the Orioles. And then he's also a leader in the clubhouse. So the fact you're willing to let a guy you know, like that go, it just kind of shows, you know, what ownership has, has done. And they're just a little bit too much hands on. They haven't let, uh, their, their GMs do their job. Andy McPhail kind of started to, then you had Duquette kind of get a little bit and then the leash got pulled back for whatever reason. Uh, but now you have Angelos who has actually stepped aside. Uh, it, it made a little bit of national headline, uh, over the off season and it's going to continue to do so. Uh, the Angelos brothers, his two sons have kind of stepped into the role, uh, as the, the kind of acting ownership at this point. Uh, the problem that they're running into long-term for that to be the case is that Peter Angelos leaving the team to the two of them, the inheritance tax on that is going to be huge. Uh, there's questions of whether they're going to be able to afford it or not, or whether they're going to have to get into additional investors. Um, and it just sparks a lot of rumors, and a lot of problems, but the Angelos, the Angelos brothers actually are doing a lot of things uh, that they really are going against their father in things that he said that he would never allow to happen uh, in, in Baltimore in Camden Yards, never would want to do. He didn't want to interna- dabble in the international market. He didn't want to have a lot of international money. Well, guess what? That's what they have right now. They're one of the top teams as far as international money. And then they turn around and they also have the Orioles Now Entertainment Program where they're actually bringing in for the first concert ever at Camden Yards, they're bringing in Billy Joel. So this whole piece is just everybody in Baltimore seeing this changeover in ownership, and that's why there's so much excitement because there's things that are happening in in Baltimore and at Camden Yards that just really have never seemed to have been allowed in the past, and that's why there's a lot of hope for them now. One of the things that really stood out to me when I was living in the area just was the character of the ballpark and just the, the kind of picturesque atmosphere you had and the tradition that was with that. You know, I you know I was actually to the point where when I was stationed there i was moonlighting as louis the Bowie bay Sox mascot <laughs> when i was there awesome. i kid you not and so there is some connections to me in baseball out there in the orioles farm system there and here years later i'm, I'm talking about the orioles and i'm just kind of stunned to see how up and down they still remain to be so it's kind of neat to hear you talking about excitement finally because when i was there years ago it wasn't excitement it was just an angry fan base that was ready to go stab the guy the guy yeah. being angelo's it, it was. It got pretty bad. I mean, fourteen years of straight losing seasons. Uh, it just it, it wears on fans. I, I've actually had my dad and I have had uh, season tickets at at Camden Yards, same seats since '92 when Camden Yards opened. Um, so we've been to every year. I've been to every opening day since the stadium opened. I've actually uh, been to every day opening day since I was. Uh, what nine months old i guess uh so i've been to a lot of baseball games in my life uh and and i love the park the excitement that that comes with it it really just kind of comes comes down to the the fans and the ownership and yeah it it was a bad time people were people were to that point but it's really kind of turned around here in the past few years especially with the winning that, that happened in 2012 and 2014 um 
kind of getting a little upset the past few years with with some of the losing seasons and and if I'm being honest Dan Duquette was handcuffed a little bit by the management and what he was allowed to do so seeing the changeover it, it really does promote excitement there's actually uh, if, if people do get out for uh, for the games it's actually uh, the Saturday game is actually expected to be one of the highest volume games all year for attendance uh, it's because there's a lot of things going on uh, your boy Mike Trout uh, he's actually from uh, right up I, say, I say right up the road it's few hours up the road in jersey but his family actually and friends always come down they actually sit uh usually in the section next to mine or in my section mm-hmm. uh so always get to see the his family coming down um and it's a it's a big game because of that it's a big game because of you know a lot of people are going to want to see you got your boy shohei who's coming back um and he's he's been back so you have a lot of fans here in baltimore that have been excited to see that um so i think it's just going to be a it's going to be a good series as far as that goes uh and i'm excited for for what this series could bring i mean you know the the angels have had some struggles of their own but they seem to they seem to have a little bit more consistency than the orioles that'll be the the biggest downfall for the o's well looking at this weekend's pitching matchups there are some well interesting numbers i.e really really bad eras yeah. So, <laughs> Friday, Cahill, 1-3, ERA. Australia for the Orioles, 1-2, ERA. Harvey, 1-3, 6-9, ERA. Bundy, 1-4, 5-3, ERA. Then Sunday's a little deceiving because Canning has actually pitched pretty well. Just kind of got hit in the last minute a couple times out there. And by the looks of it, your guy means 4-3, ERA. He looks to be as well as close as you got to an ace. So, yeah, I mean. Numbers wise, I, I would agree with that. He's still a young kid, but he's got good stuff. You know, we, we talked about it on our show this past week and his performance that, that he put on this past week. He he was able to consistently pound the strike zone, hit hard using the the consistency. Or should, I'm sorry, the con, the inconsistency of pitches. You know always having and mixing up your pitches. That's one of the biggest things that a pitcher can have. And he's really been showing that. And there's not a lot on means as far as, you know, major league tape. So he's able to kind of get and fool some of these hitters a little bit more than, than maybe guys who are a little bit more established. Um, so it definitely has helped out. Yeah. You, you kind of mentioned the, the pitching matchup and, and what we're really seeing. And the thing with guys like Cashner, you know, Cashner is actually pitched not bad. It's a little deceiving His one, three, you know, six, nine, five ERA. He's got a 1.37 whip so it's not exactly horrible you know it's not the greatest in the world but it's it's not 1.37 whip is not bad uh he just doesn't usually get run support when he pitches he continues to have you know issues with that they you know last night they wind up you know he goes through six frames and he, he pitched really well but what happens they tie it up the bullpen lets it go and then Jackie Bradley Jr. decides to rob Trey Mancini with an amazing catch, and I'm, I, I it hurts to say this because I like Mike Trout. It was actually a better catch than Mike Mike Trout's catch that gets posterized everywhere when he when he caught the ball in center field uh, in front of the Southwest sign in Camden Yards. Um, but it it's it's deceiving in some of the, some of these guys in the way that they're pitching, you know, the, I think the same can be said for, you know, like you said, with canning the with the way he's been pitching, it's a little, I mean, it's a little deceiving. He's, he hasn't, from what I've seen uh, from my, my kind of knowings, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. He's kind of got the same situation. He's not fully always getting the run support that's there. Um, and he's pitching fairly well. He's hitting his spots. It's just, he's, he's kind of letting them up at the wrong times when it does happen. Well, he's like his first time out, he was he dominated the Blue Jays for three innings, had one rough inning, they pulled him. So they didn't really give him a chance to kind of pitch through there, watching his, his pitch count as it comes up. That, then his last outing, 
same thing. Got a little bit of trouble in the, in the sixth inning. They pulled him, didn't want to risk whatever with him. We understand it now because he's a young guy. He's a top pitching prospect in the organization. He's the first, I kid you not, he's the first starting pitcher for the Angels to make a debut with the team since 2011. Wow. That's how bad our farm system has been. And so they are really being careful with him. But his fastball is lively. It rises a bit. It um, He has good movement. And I'm really that, I'm, that's the game I'm looking forward to the most. Sunday's game between the two young guys and seeing how they duke it out. The one question I have for you with, with him, what's he been hitting on the gun? Do you oh, know? About 94, 95. I think I saw one hit 96. Okay. I, I, I worry a little bit about his mechanics a little bit. When you see him pitch, he kind of has a kick and then like a sort of a pause before he follows through, and that tells me you're not putting as much into your legs as you should be, and it's more in your arms. So I'm concerned about his long-term future, unless that's something that's corrected later on. But his stuff is lively. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my big thing, you know, with these guys, we've had a, we've had several pitchers that have come up through our system um, that have have started off well. And then, you know, I don't know whether it's time as far as the, the game and how it's moving and how, how guys are, are being used. Uh, I know here in Baltimore, it's been a lot around um, how <laughs> how the, the pitching staff historically and the, the coaching staff has has approached pitchers. Um, you know, a guy like Bundy, you know, who we saw when he first came up, he was this guy was hitting 98, 99 at times. He was hitting 100. He could blow balls by guys left and right. And now, you know, after his injury he came back they started messing around with his mechanics and all of a sudden now you're lucky if he's hitting 92 93 um you know most of the time he's he's hitting somewhere around 90 91 uh he can get it up there every once in a while but that that's a guy that you know you mess with the mechanics too much and it starts to become a problem because that's what got these guys to the major league level and, mm-hmm. and the prime example of this in the orioles organization historically you know this name jake arietta Jake Arrieta yeah. started like that, and guess what? They started messing with his mechanics. They said, we want you to do this. We want you to tweak this. We want you to tweak that. Stop tweaking with what these guys are doing. It's what got them there. When you start making these, you're calling them tweaks, and they're really big movements. But when you make those tweaks, it messes with their head. They think they're pitching wrong, or they need to pitch differently. They got there for a reason. Let them go. Kind of coach them up. When you're making tweaks, it's, you know, Hey, let's uh, let's learn to hit your spot a little bit more. You know, let's let's learn to let it off a little bit more. You know, give them give them the variations in speed, changing changing up your pitches, things like that, and hitting your spots. That's what really is developing talent. You know, it's not about messing with mechanics. You know, it's it's one of the things I think it's, it gets overlooked at. But I can see where you can be a little bit worried about that that he's not putting all the all the the emphasis with his legs and not pushing but you know what if he's able to consistently hit his spots at 93 94 i'll take that rather than him blowing out his arm at 98 99 well i'm with you i'm not i'm not advocating for this massive mechanical switch i'm just saying that watching him throw there is a concern to me that sometime down the line is gonna blow his arm out gotcha because the way of the way the kick moves and i don't if they can fix it and keep that velocity and keep that movement great, but I'm never going to go ahead and risk somebody's career, like you're saying, you know, risk losing that fastball over a massive change. That's something that's a personal decision you have to make over time. And you know, I just, I just personally watching them throw. That's a minor concern. Well, it's not even a minor; it's a medium, a medium concern of mine. Come six, seven years down the road from yes. now, 
Where you're gonna have you're gonna have my eyes on that this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna be yeah. taking a look out for that. Yeah, just watch. You'll see. He he comes up with his kick. He has to kick out, and then there's like this kind of like a pause, and then he moves forward with the pitch, and it's very much an arm throw to me. Okay, I'll and take a so, look. Yeah, I mean, message me when you see it. <laughs> I, mean, I so, will do. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the pitching matchup to you: uh, Friday's Cahill and Streely, Saturday Harvey and Bundy. How do you see those shaking out? Uh, the Straley one I'm, I find interesting. He had a really good last outing. He needs to he needs to continue that in this outing. He's you know the the late pickup of him uh, when he was released from Miami. Uh, I was concerned about you know how much work did he get. I think he he probably could have used a little bit of time maybe down in AAA to just get his arm a little bit more up to par. Uh, but he's you know he's really come along come along this last last outing. Um, you know it's, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know Harvey's been been doing okay, but he he's getting. He's kind of in that situation, kind of like, I'm sorry, not Harvey, uh, Cahill. He's been in that situation where um, he kind of gets, he, he's giving him up at the wrong times when you got when you got guys on base. It's it's okay to give up the home run every once in a while, but you can't be giving up twos and threes. And that's what I feel from what I've seen. Um, it has kind of hurt him. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, I, I just think, Straley, I think is his seven ERA is a little inflated um, as of late, but only time's going to tell with him. He, he needs to get some more starts in under his belt. I, I think, honestly, I think in that matchup, I think Cahill wins that, that first matchup there um, it, because Straley's just too inconsistent so far. Well, the concern with Cahill for us is that Cahill, when the team signed him, he's never been a big, you know, a person who allows a lot of home runs. All of a sudden, he's allowed like 12, 11, 12 this year. Right. And he's giving them up in the most horrible positions, like you are saying. And so there's something wrong where a guy who never averaged – more than 12 a season is giving up about that much already. So there's a big concern here with him, what's going on with the stuff, what's wrong with his mechanics, you know, because something is wrong. And then right. on Saturday with, with Harvey, his numbers are a bit inflated because in his case, the Angels, his last time out is a great example. Against the Astros, he had a really good start. Then he, he got into the middle innings, and instead of letting him fight his way through it, Allison's pulled him. And we were... The whole fan base here was was ticked because your guy coming off injury, he, he had come off two really good starts. Let him fight through these things. Don't just be so quick to pull a guy. You, you want to get his confidence back. They pulled him out. He was ticked. We were all ticked, and so we don't really know what's going on with him. We his numbers are his. He's got better stuff right now than his ERA shows. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, from from what I had heard, it was like said it was. It's kind of one of those things that he's he hasn't his the life on his pitches hasn't looked the greatest so far. But like you said, he, he's coming off two good starts. I think he went what he went six innings the one time, and then what seven, and then he yep. goes in that he goes four and two thirds before they pull him. So with that being kind of said, I think it's one of those things that it's actually it, it's an interesting matchup for the simple fact that we've been having kind of the same issue with Bundy. Now he's had a, a little bit of bounce back again. He hasn't had as much run support. He's had a bounce back the past two games for himself. Um, but I, I think in this matchup. If Cahill is the Cahill that kind of showed up uh, last last uh, game outing against Houston, where he's given up five, he's only striking out. You know, I think he only struck out like one guy when I looked at the stats. Um, that would be my concern for for you guys is the the strikeout. A guy that you know historically has been able to have an out pitch doesn't really seem to have it. 
And I think that's one of the things with Bundy. He's been coming off some decent starts. You know, he goes six innings against Minnesota, five innings against the the, the Minnesota series um, at home, and then or I'm sorry, at Minnesota, and then he goes seven innings in this game against Tampa Bay this past weekend. Uh, and I, I like what I'm seeing out of Bundy. Um, I think I think the Orioles have the edge in this game just because of the little bit of inconsistencies with KO. And honestly, I think your confidence piece is a, a big piece here because when you pull a guy like Cahill in that situation, that's telling him you don't have confidence. Well, in him I'm talking that. about that's the Harvey Bundy matchup. I'm Harvey Bundy. the first right. game Australia. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like I've, I've got all sorts of different stats yeah. in front of me, so I'm like trying to flip back and forth. So the Harvey, the Harvey uh, matchup, he was he was the one that did have the game against Houston. That's what I was talking. About. I was given the yeah. stats, but given given Cahill's name. Um, but yeah, the 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 matchup here. I think the thing with with Harvey, he's I, I don't know that he can is going to bounce back with the confidence there. Uh, I think it's going to be something that. The only time's going to tell. I think Bundy's just on a little bit straighter path right now, but they're both on a similar path. So I, I'm going to give the edge to Bundy in this matchup just because he's coming off a really good, really high game against Tampa. So what are the Orioles' strengths overall, and how do you believe those strengths match up with the Angels? Uh, overall, I think the strengths right now, um, small ball. But they've been playing a lot of small ball. Um, defense has been pretty solid. That's kind of like a 1A, 1B situation there. Um, they've been really, really well with the defense. Uh, you have Severino who's taken over at catcher, uh, thrown out one of the one of Boston's um, fastest runners uh, last night, uh, Devers. Um, and, and the guy that has the most stolen bases for them was able to throw him out on a, on a Great pick uh, in the dirt. So I think the defense is there. We've got good defense uh, around the middle of the infield. Uh, Martin still needs a little work, so that's why I'm. That's why I say it's kind of one A one B because the the small ball side of things has been good as well. They've been stealing bases more than they ever have. They've been aggressive on the base paths. Um, you know, I've been seeing them looking to try and bunt a little bit more uh, than we have historically, and that's something that. O's fans have have always kind of harped on for the past several years is our lack of that small ball men type mentality um, and you know beating the shift. What's a way to beat the shift? You have Chris Davis lay down a bunt um, and it's he's squared up a few times. He hasn't made connection, but he has squared up a few times. So it's it's something that I like to see those two pieces kind of really play up against the Angels because of the fact that you know you have a team that's. I feel when I look at the Angels right now, I feel like they're they're trying to find themselves. They've got you know they've got some stars, but the overall mentality of the team just seems to be disconnected. You know, it, it doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page when the pitching seems to be doing well. Uh, I don't think the bats have necessarily been there. Uh, again, from what I've seen, you would you would know better than I would on that. Um, but I, I think. Overall, I think the Orioles' small ball type mentality and the, their ability to connect is, and their ability to play defense. I think those are the, their two strengths that can play well against the Angels. Um, if we see the Angels of past, but I, I, I am a little worried. I got to be honest. I'm a little worried that of what the of what Shohei coming back kind of does for the mentality of the team. You know, you got a guy. From what I hear, he is he's a life of the party, so to speak. From everything I hear, everything that I've seen. Um, uh, about the Angels and what's been going on, that he's you know he keeps it he keeps it light and fun. Um, he's always smiling from everything I've always seen, unless he's you know at the plate. It's pretty much the only time I haven't seen him smiling from what I've seen on the national headlines. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's I'd say those are the strengths that, that are playing against him. Well, he got two hits today. I mean, he won thirteen nothing. So <laughs> hey, there you go. I mean, well, he the the lineup this year for the Angels in, ter- in terms of the inconsistencies, you've had Justin Upton out and you've had Otani out. And so two 
key parts of the lineup, and then you're trying to replace those key parts with Justin Bohr, who, well, let's just be honest, can't hit for average for anything. Okay. Yeah. And then the other side of it is Zach Kozar, another aging veteran. And these guys really weren't performing. Interzone also got back Peter Borjos. They just designated him for assignment. They didn't have anything going on whatsoever to really fill those gaps left by these guys. So that's important. Because once, once this lineup is full again, once everybody's back, the Angels are going to at least be fun to watch. They can't pitch a lick. <laughs> but well, it might be fun to watch. I got a question for you then, because you brought up Boar. Like, from an outsider's perspective, I, to me, not that Pujols is nowhere near the situation that we've got with Davis, not even close. But is it time for Pujols to kind of, like, pass the buck here? I mean, it it seems like they, they've been kind of doing that, but, I mean, Pujols is only hitting, what, like, he's right around 200 or so? And yeah, it's, it's, it's not... We've been talking about this for a while because his contract is his his contract is like your contract with Davis, okay? Um, it, it it buries the payroll. The Angels have the fifth highest payroll in the league, but it's a little deceptive because they're paying twenty eight million plus of that to Albert Pujols, and he's never lived up to that contract. Here's the problem that I have with with big contracts: is that a lot of times you're paying for who the player was and not who he is and who he's going to be. And Albert Pujols is a prime example of that. And while, you know, and people I'm sure will take it as I'm trashing the guy. No, I'm not trashing the guy. I'm trashing the contract. You know, he hit 2,000 RBIs today. Congratulations to him. That's a really great thing for him. But in terms of what what the team needs, they need the Albert Pujols from eight years ago. And that's that's never been who they've had. He was what he was a he was a th- over a three hundred hitter for career wise when you guys get, signed that contract yeah. to him and then I don't think he's correct me if I'm wrong on this has he hit over three hundred since no. you guys did, yeah so exactly no. you guys were you know and that's a great point when you it's kind of the same thing with Davis we were paying for in all honesty I, I didn't like the the Davis contract when it happened because we were paying for inconsistency I mean the guy at least Pujols was consistent. Davis wasn't consistent when he got that contract. You know, he, he there's a reason that Texas let him go, and it was because of because of the inconsistencies. So I think there's there. I see what you're saying that there's comparisons, but that's why I said there, there's a complete difference here in that <laughs> Pulse was an over 300 hitter. So yeah. the hope is you pay him that, and he stays a 300 hitter. It just hasn't worked out that way. But I mean, he's I, I would say he's, he wouldn't be he's not hitting that bad. I mean, he's, he's got to be still hitting over 250, 260 since he's been with you guys, right? Uh, a couple times here and there, but he's been a lot of 240s, 245s, 239s, something like that. And the real problem with him is that he's he's basically kept his power, but a lot of that clutch hitting has gone because he can't hit for average anymore. Right. And that's the, and I mean, just just to be totally upfront, when this was going down, they were you know. During that free agency year, Prince Fielder was out there, and Pujols was out there. I won them to go for Prince Fielder. Now, nobody knew Fielder was going to have what happened to him, okay? But even if they had signed a Fielder, Fielder was retired. They never would have had to pay all the money they had to pay now. Right. So the the problem with the Angels is they still have three more years of Pujols' contract when he just is not worth that contract now. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I can't say anything because we're paying Davis through 2035. So, and he's going to be done playing in what, 2023? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't really say anything about that because I, it's the same situation. In my opinion, it's even worse because we're, we're going to be paying him, you know, for much, much longer. He, he basically got the Bobby Bonilla treatment, uh, except, you know, just, just not as many years. People learned a little bit from Bobby Bonilla, but apparently the Orioles didn't. So, I mean, that's been, that's pretty much it. You know, it's just, and again, it's, you know, folks have been hearing me kind of harp on this in the podcast for a while, so it's not anything an attack on on Albert. It's more on the lines of, because of that contract, the Angels are not really going to be able to do everything they want to do until he retires. And I keep hoping he'll retire, but he doesn't want to retire. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he, he wants to keep playing ball, and it's, look, it's going to happen. Look, he... he he came out on the good end of the contract. I mean, what can you say? I mean, the guys, the guy and his agent mm-hmm. or did a good job in negotiating the contract. It comes down to, you're right. I mean, you, you can't. It's not a knock on the guy. I mean, Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols is a Hall of Famer, period. But right now, he's reaching, you know, he, he's reached that plateau period where, you know, can he still play a little bit of ball? Yeah, he can. He can. But it, maybe it's time for him to, to vocally kind of step up and say, you know what? It's better for the team if I kind of step aside a little bit maybe don't play me as much maybe you know maybe i'm not getting as many at bats that kind of stuff and is he going to do that i doubt it but i I think that's what you would you would hope to see out of a guy like that kill still keep him as a leader in the clubhouse and everything but there's still value to him he he hit one out today there's still value to him it's just when you put the value to what the money is you know there there you go all right so one last question here how do you see this series playing out uh I'll I'll say I'll say the Angels win this the, win this series uh, two to one. I, I think we just see, you know, the the Angels could really hurt the Orioles just by being patient with the pitching and and if you're patient patient with the starting pitching, you can pretty much assume that you're going to get to the bullpen and our bullpen is has not what it's been in the past few years. You know, the past few years outside of last year, uh, we had one of the we had some of the the best relievers uh, in the pen. And you know, at a point we had guys that three guys that could be closers on other teams, and they were our, our seven, eight, nine. Uh, so that's that's kind of how it's historically been. Uh, we've had good pitching in the bullpen. Starters haven't haven't been the greatest, and now this year, you know, our, our starters have been doing okay, but we just have no bullpen whatsoever. You get to a guy like uh, Castro, who's wild, and then you get patient with him. He'll walk everybody, and then he'll put one out over the plate, and it'll be gone. Uh, he's done it multiple times this year. I, he's a guy that I think still shouldn't be a, a, uh, a reliever. He needs to be a starter with the, the, the fact that he's inconsistent with his, with his strike zone. Uh, you got to give him more time to work the pitches and more innings, more innings work to do it. But yeah, that's, that, that's how I see it playing out. I see you guys winning this, this series two to one. Um, I think you'll see one high scoring game and it'll be a high scoring game by both teams. Um, I'm going to go with it. It's, I'm going to go with the, the, the Harvey Bundy game is the highest scoring game out of the series. All right. Hey, Scott, can you tell people where they can find you and find your podcast? Yeah, absolutely, guys. We uh, like, like you said, we are a Baltimore based sports podcast. Uh, you can check us out at Birdland BS. And you can also check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. Uh, myself, my Twitter handle, at ScottBLBS. Uh, my co-host, at FredBLBS. You can check all of us out. Uh, you can check out all of our podcasts uh, on our website. They're also on Facebook and uh, on 
uh, Twitter. We do a live podcast every Tuesday night at eight forty-five. Uh, we try to involve our fans, you know, when they're when they're chiming in on all the different platforms. Uh, we actually just recently went back to YouTube as well, so you'll be able to check everything out on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, check us out every every Tuesday night at eight forty-five. We talk Baltimore sports sometimes to get into a little bit of national news every once in a while, and we're also on uh, part of the Big Play Network, uh, BigPlay.com. Uh, we recently joined them as their their Baltimore affiliate, uh, so they that's where everybody gets their their baltimore news from awesome all right man thanks so much for joining us i'm i'm guessing we'll talk again later in the year when you guys make the return trip out sounds good man we'll have to have you on our show at some point uh maybe when they come back out or maybe after this series awesome thanks a lot man no problem thanks all right folks good interview hopefully we can have him on the show again a lot of good information there quick question for you how do you see the series going john I see the momentum going. We're, we're playing it. We're playing a team that we should win. Uh, I would like to think that we're not going to. Well, I'd like to think sweep, but you know, I mean, two out of three. We, we should at least get two out of three from Baltimore. But I think we kind of got a little momentum. We got Otani back. We got um, yeah, we got some folks back. So I, I, I'm predicting a sweep against Baltimore. Wow, sweep! I'm going to go two out of three. It's a hitter's park. And if our starting pitching doesn't hold up, especially Trevor Cahill, we're in trouble. So I'll go two out of three. Fair bet? Fair bet. Fair bet. All right. All right, folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. And also, you can find our group on Facebook. Also, just same thing. Search for Talking Halos. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo and John at Jags Crane, J E G S C R A N E. Don't forget us on Spreaker. We're on iTunes. We just got some in for Spotify. We are now pretty much all over the place. Check us out for the entire Talking Halo team, including John. Have a great one, and we'll be talking this weekend. drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This episode is sponsored by Schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.